0: If we think about our menstrual cycles as moving through the seasons, so our bleeding time being the winter, then we move into spring, summer is ovulation, and then after ovulation, autumn, where we're usually called more inwards and focus, leading us back to winter and that time of rest and nourishment with our bleeding time.
1: I'd like to acknowledge the traditional caretakers and inhabitants of this land across Australia. Also, locally where I stand, the Beer Pie people, who continue their cultural practices, wisdom and law. Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Pollination Mamas podcast, where we have collaborative conversations, cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom in a modern context, so that we can live a nurtured life. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. Hi everyone, welcome to another Pollination Mamas podcast. It's been, I've had a little break and I'm back and I'm super excited for the chat I'm about to have. Today I've got Janelle from the Wild Orange Tree here. Janelle is an occupational therapist with a strong interest in women's health and rites of passage. With a passion to nurture and empower women to listen to their body, tune into their bodies to navigate conception pregnancy birth and beyond inspired by her her own mothering journey and profession this has led janelle to postpartum training avigo abdominal therapy holistic pelvic care with Tammy lee kent and birth healing with lynn schulte hope i've said that right so we just had a really amazing passionate interesting conversation leading up to hitting record and i've been following janelle for not too long a little while i just love the way that janelle articulates and shares with so much passion and is um quite gifted, I think, at linking in lots of different aspects, which are all um, playing a part of these rites of passage and these cycles that we live through. So before we jump right into it, I'd love for you, Janelle, thank you for being here, by the way. <laughs> oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. And from Melbourne, you're calling in from yeah. Melbourne, is that right?
0: Yeah, I'm in Melbourne. I'm in the outer northeastern suburbs of Melbourne. Right. Great
1: and um to yeah share a little bit more about you both professionally uh where you've come from but also personally how your own journey of motherhood has led you to to this work and how that influences you
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Well, thanks again for having me on the podcast and that that wonderful introduction that you gave me. But um, I am am an occupational therapist, though that may or may not mean a whole lot to a lot of people. When you break it down, it's really helping people do everyday things if something is getting in the way. And um, for me, I'm a mum to two children. I have a six-year-old son and an almost three-year-old daughter. And my journey to to mothering... um, it was definitely a journey. Um, fertility wasn't my challenge but I came from um, a family where that whole process of birthing children was something that was quite traumatic and um, quite a horrible experience for my mum and I really wanted to look at um, maybe it was the rebel in me, I'm not sure. I, I really wanted to experience something different in my own mothering journey so I started researching quite early what I would um, really want to do and, um, I guess my focus really was on pregnancy and birth at that time and um, for all my planning I ended up having a very challenging first um, labor and I came out of that with a birth injury and while I did have a lot of family support around me now looking back I realized there was so much that I could have done to plan for the postpartum as well um A postpartum plan that would have supported me if I would had the amazing home birth that I'd planned for, but would have also supported me equally as well with the curveball that got thrown my way. And so again, it was another journey leading up to my daughter, really thinking about what I wanted to do differently, how I could better connect to my own body, and then exactly how I wanted to be supported in that postpartum as well. And I was informally chatting with lots of women about this this rite of passage and these pregnancy and birth and early mothering experiences, and recognized I had a real passion in that area for um, for supporting women through these transitions and also recognizing that as an occupational therapist i I had a lot that I could contribute in that space because, as mothers. Like our pelvic health can hugely get in the way of us being able to do everyday things like playing with our kids, being intimate with a partner, returning to work. Um, Our mental health as mothers also can impact the way that we relate to our families, the way that we feel about ourselves, that whole identity shift that happens with mothering. And, yeah, I made the decision that I wanted to move my work into women's health, supporting women around that, I guess drawing on my own um, experiences of the mothering journey and also all the other things that I was I was learning and reading so I started off by completing postnatal doula training which gave a wonderful background for what that postpartum experience can be like and how it really does set mothers up for a wonderful mothering journey how um yeah just how important that those, those initial time after birth is um, regardless of what our pregnancy and birth experiences have been like and then I've gone on to add a whole lot of bodywork um, training, so the Vigo and um, holistic pelvic care, and then Lynn's birth healing training, and really using that as a way to help women connect to their bodies. Um, that pelvic space is so integral to to that mothering experience. It's usually where our children come from. It's so intimately connected to that birthing experience, but we can be so disconnected from that space and when we're experiencing challenges in our pelvic health, it's, it's not just like hurting your finger and needing to go to the emergency department to get stitches and it all fix up. There's so much that we hold in that pelvic space. It might be trauma, like massive trauma, but also that micro trauma that comes from everyday life. Um, our emotions, we hold that in our pelvic space. Our roles and relationships and the expectations that we have of ourselves and that others have of us, they rest in that pelvic space. Um, if something's going on in the pelvic space and influences our mental health, or if we've got challenges with mental health, that's going to come back and influence that pelvic space and how those normal functions um, occur there, so I'm definitely using my bodywork skills to help women connect to their pelvis, be really present in that space, um, listen to their bodies and those feminine rhythms that that are within us, and, and using that as a roadmap forward when either to plan for a really um, confident and positive transition into mothering or support them um, through that when challenges have come up and and they're having some difficulties.
1: Mm, fantastic. Yeah, I think that's so important to, that you mentioned, to support for that ideal whatever someone's aiming for in their birth, but then also to be prepared and know there's tools out there and services if something, if a curveball does come. Um, and mm-hmm. often first births are, can be a bit harder. And the body's never done that before. So there's no innate memory. There's new hormonal pathways being being made and the body is yeah, having to open and stretch in ways that it hasn't before. Yeah, definitely. So I really um, would love to explore each of those therapies that you've done a little bit more so people who haven't heard of them or maybe don't know in depth what they mm-hmm. are. Um, but first of all, I'd love to jump into motherhood is a rite of passage and like you said you've done the postpartum training and that's pretty much where I came across your work we did that um, postpartum training with newborn mothers and this idea that all cultures have known that the postpartum period is immensely important it needs to be prepared for and it needs to be taken really seriously and there was a great understanding that that is how you would create healthy mothers in the long term and therefore healthy families and healthy children. Um, Because that just keeps extending out into the community. And really it hasn't been all that long that's been lost. So if you go back to where it was lost first, maybe more like European, British, Celtic, really, although we started losing a lot of things maybe a few hundred years ago, We still, even up to around 100 years ago, had a really strong understanding there. And then other cultures have lost some of it, part of it in the last 100 years, and some are really intact and strong. I'm just so excited that there's such a strong movement coming from all different angles and professions to revitalise this postpartum care. So I'd love to hear from you what your thoughts are, both professionally, but as a mother and on what that rite of passage is into motherhood, how challenging it can be and different ways that we could be looking at it and honouring it and supporting the mother and how the mother could support herself through that transition.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, when I look at these rites of passage, like I always use that comparison. We hear the stories about boys in the tribe having to go out and kill a lion or needing to fend for themselves in the wilderness. And there would be um, like that separation and then that challenge that that um, boy would experience and he'd come back and then he would be honoured and nurtured and nourished and exonerated as the man that he'd become through that and we don't hear those stories about the women and I believe that's because our rites of passage are our blood rites of passage but there's been so much um, shame and embarrassment and avoidance of these blood rites that we experience in our body like most of us have really negative experiences around menarche or that time of our first period where Maybe we didn't know what it was or it was all very hush-hush and awkward and dirty and um, the language around that can be quite negative. But that initial blood rite of passage really should be introducing us to these these feminine rhythms, um, that monthly cycle that we have, these different energies that come through that cycle and the different strengths that we bring at different times in our cycle because really that is a primer for that next rite of passage. If mothering is something that comes to us or that we choose, um that same rite of passage is just there in an extended form. Um, If we think about our menstrual cycles as moving through the seasons, so our bleeding time being the winter, then we move into spring, summer is ovulation, and then after ovulation, autumn, where we're usually called more inwards and focus, leading us back to winter and that time of rest and nourishment with our bleeding time. That's the same cycle that we see in postpartum. Pregnancy is a long autumn. You come out of ovulation, pregnancy happens, And you've got nine or 10 months of this autumn where often we notice our energy is more inward. We may not want to be quite so social. We start nesting and all these sorts of behaviors. We get very focused on details and what we need done before the baby arrives. This is typical autumn behavior. And we also have that, time just before birth where we tend to feel really agitated, going, I just want this baby to come. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for labour. It's this awkwardness. But that should also feel a little bit familiar because that's that transition day moving into winter and then birth brings on a really extended winter. And I think sometimes it can feel really frustrating when we're told we need to rest and eat really well and so forth. But this should actually feel familiar from our monthly cycles. If we are really connected to them, we know that this is—that's the season for rest and nourishment and renewal, and that is really important for our body so that we can emerge um, with with new clarity and direction into the spring after that postpartum time. And in traditional cultures, it really was recognized that that that, that winter or that postpartum was a three-year time period, and. We don't give ourselves anywhere near that amount. Like we might go to our six-week checkup, and it's kind of like, "Do you feel good?" Um, maybe, awesome, off you go. Um, six weeks seems to be what we think it is, and in some countries, a lot of women are going back to work at that time, which is is really crazy when we when we think about this postpartum rite of passage from a real biological sense. It does take a long time for. Um, for that transition to really occur, and for us to physically, emotionally, and spiritually, um, yeah, really transition into that that new person, that new mother that we are after that after that birth experience and. I recently heard some commentary that previously postpartum was very much driven by biology and by culture, but nowadays postpartum is driven so much more by psychology or that head, what I should be doing or could be doing, as well as um, social pressures. And I think that's a real true reflection of some of those subtle changes that have actually had huge impacts on the way that women feel they what they can offer themselves, or should be offering themselves, in that postpartum time, and also the value that we um, that we place on those winter times in our cycle. Um, winter can feel like a, a pain in the ass. It's like, well, this is just getting in the way of me do 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 do. But we need these times in our cycles to really, really rest and renew and restore. Um, And I think the evidence is building more and more when we tap into these cycles and we honour that need for rest and restoration. We're actually far more better off from our health and our well-being and our productivity. Um, It's actually an essential part of that, really tapping into those feminine rhythms. But we don't see a lot of examples of that around us and we're certainly not connected to our bodies in a way that... um, yeah, really gives us a clear sense of that roadmap that comes from these, these, these blood rights, these menstrual cycles, these feminine rhythms that that are actually innate within us. Once we once we tap in and really connect back into them. Mm, yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah, it's akin to I did a podcast with um, Chris Gonzalez from Way of Yin in America, and she. Um, comes from a Chinese medicine background and in Chinese medicine philosophy they talk about the three golden opportunities and that's um, postpartum and then menopause. And each phase is seen as an opportunity that when nurtured and when the, the right amount of rest and the right nourishment is there, then it's a great opportunity for healing, um, for growth internally, spiritually, emotionally, yeah. that that is... So we understand it when we talk about toddlers. So if toddlers struggling with sleep or struggling with eating a little bit or emotionally, we go, "Oh, they must be going through a developmental leap. They need a bit more. They need a bit more nurture. They need it." But that doesn't stop. <laughs> that continues mm. on through our life. And it was when you mentioned um, the blood rights. Also, it made me think that often when women talk about their first menstruation, their first period, Mm
0: -hmm. there is a
1: lot of negative language around it. But sometimes it's just the unsaid gives a connotation that it's not something important or it's something that is inconvenient or it's just awkward. And often women will just, or young women, will just go to the bathroom in their bedroom and there's a packet of pads there. There was yeah. no conversation from mum or whoever the woman is in that young woman's life. It's just the pads appear and that's it. So it's almost like this hidden, oh, here you go. It's, yeah. it's still too awkward to even talk about, let alone celebrate, which is yeah. just crazy considering what a huge life shift and what a huge responsibility it is for a young woman who starts to menstruate, which means that they're fertile, which means that they could get pregnant. At almost yeah. any time, that is a huge responsibility and and also very exciting. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's just left. It's just left there. And then, again, that silence is almost um, amplified in the postpartum that it's all leading up, okay, the baby's here, the baby's here, and then the woman's just left alone a lot. So that yeah. silence in the way that our mothers can be accidentally isolated.
0: Yeah. And when we look at what those stages that are necessary for a rite of passage are, there's always a a surrender and a withdrawal. There's a challenge that needs to be gone through. And then afterwards, there has to be that reintegration. And part of that is being able to share your story and what you learned from that rite of passage with the other people in your tribe or community or circle or whatever that might be around you. And... Um, But within the literature, it's recognised how important that reintegration part is. But with these blood rites of passage, the way we experience them in modern culture, we might have that withdrawal, that separation. We may, we may not. Um, We'll have the challenge of this new experience, but then we're left hanging there isn't that support to actually talk about what what did that mean for you and what have you learned from that and who are you now after going through this transition um, and rather than an elevation and recognition of that upgrade that has happened to your, your system like physically from a nervous system perspective, emotionally, spiritually... A lot of these rites of passage, they're considered a downgrade. It's like, oh, okay, you've got to manage the monthly now or, oh, you're a mum, you've got kids in tow and menopause is a whole other level of, like that is not the elevation to this amazing wise woman that we can look up to and who, who has this immense knowledge and contribution. It's the complete opposite um, yeah, there, there definitely isn't that reintegration and, and recognition. Um, at least women hanging, and I think we see that playing out enormously in how their identity adapts, and at that that emotional level, how they how they feel navigating navigating these experiences, and and that impacts so much on on their physical well being as well. Um, I really don't think we can separate that that head heart body uh, especially when we're talking about things that relate to the pelvic space they're just so so integrated in in their nature and we leave a lot of women hanging with this stuff that just isn't being acknowledged and um we we definitely see that playing out in postpartum um but yeah the the percentage rates of women that have mental health challenges and pelvic health challenges and things like that like we're not doing something right
1: (laughs) yeah there's definitely something going wrong and it's and when you talk to any other culture who has traditional postpartum care practices still intact, mm-hmm. they understood that if you leave a mother alone. Again, I really love that you brought up to be guided by the physiology because the um, innate traditions training I'm doing um, with Rochelle Garcia-Saliga, okay. it's very much about being guided by physiology, mm-hmm. using that as the roadmap. And yeah that all cultures did that. They were guided by the physiology and that includes emotional well-being. And yes. so they knew that if you left a mother alone, that she would be emotionally unwell. They knew if you didn't do certain things that there would be massive mm-hmm. pelvic health issues. Yeah. I really love your analogy with the seasons. And mm-hmm. what I was thinking is, as you said, um, the is the autumn, and then you go into this winter phase and the postpartum where you're really inward is that, Traditionally, and of course we can adapt this in any way in the modern context, but I still think it's really important to try and reweave that traditional understanding in that traditionally it was the women who were somewhat in their winter phase of life, perimenopause, mm. menopause, who came to support women in their winter phase of postpartum. So yes. that was very matched and that wisdom that they could draw on, like you said, instead of just the menopause or woman who... Mm. You know, we talk about it with actresses. Once they get old, they sort of disappear and it's much harder for them to be seen and recognised, whereas a man can get old and still be an actor and um, yeah. and have grey hair it's fine. Although yeah. that's changing a little bit. But it was the women were revered for having this wisdom and they also understood by what was needed in that postpartum phase was not lots of heady words, not lots of descriptions on how to do things, how to look after your baby, how to feel. It was done by example and by osmosis and they could just come in so naturally and then a mother could just take that in because a mother, we all know baby brain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've heard of baby brain and that feeling and there's so many aspects to baby Mm -hmm. brain. But what happens instead of when baby brain, when your brain's feeling fuzzy is that, You're just there to learn by viewing and by watching and by osmosis. And those wise women could come in and show that. And actually it's just like the mother's supercharged and super intelligent in that way of learning rather than with all the words and instructions. So yeah, I really love that seasonal analogy.
0: Hmm. But I think it's interesting, like when I first read that analogy that menopause is winter, I had to stop and challenge myself going, oh, God, I'm going to end up in winter for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, And I think that is a very natural response. These times of winter, these times of rest, it's a time that doesn't always come naturally to the feminine. If we're talking about masculine and feminine energies, masculine energy very much runs on that circadian rhythm or that 24-hour rhythm, go hard, play hard, rest. And like we all make those jokes about men having their man cave and men just sitting down and falling asleep on the couch. Like That is the masculine energy, go hard, play hard, rest. Whereas the feminine, I actually believe, tends to be the hard taskmaster that pushes through and pushes through and pushes through. But when we do that, when we don't get that rest and that nourishment, the restoration that we need, That's when we get burnt out and in some ways I think it's quite clever that we've got these inbuilt monthly cycles that are meant to tune us into that, that there's a time to go hard and be creative and innovative and and really push ourselves to our limits Um, but then there's also a time for reflection and focus and um, critique and then we come to that time of rest before we go out and repeat that cycle yeah. um, again. We, we do tend to have negative correl- um, connotations around that that winter or that rest and that nourishment without it really understanding how integral it is to, to our cycles and our rhythms and our well-being and, and that natural creative process and really creativity is just one of the ultimate ways of expressing feminine creativity um tammy lynn kent talks about the feminine the core of the feminine is creativity and mothering is just one expression of that but that creative cycle it always has to come to a culmination of celebration and then rest when the project is finished Um, if the project went on forever it would just be an exhausting horrible process Mm. um but yet we seem to try and do that. That's what culturally we, we think we should be doing, those expectations that are placed on us and we place on ourselves, that we should keep going, that rest and nourishment and self-care isn't, isn't something that is is not important, but it's actually so crucial. I mean, when we think about it seasonally, like winter. Like, yeah, we, we grizzle about it when it gets cold, especially being in Melbourne. But um, it, it's actually so important. Like the world needs to rest. There's this innate need in this creative cycle for for rest and I think uh, we need more more conversation around the value of that and the purpose that it really plays in these rites of passage
1: Mm, yeah yeah important yeah I was going to say winter here (laughs) has been quite warm so I'm like (laughs) summer summer almost I've been saying the last few seasons as a gardener as well is almost the hibernation yeah. time. Cause you can't be outside much. It's so hot, yeah. and so dry yeah. and yep. wait until the evening and the early morning to go out. Yeah. Whereas winter here, you can just be out all day. <laughs> Obviously it gets darker, yeah. but I do yeah. get that. It gets darker earlier. The fire's on you going to bed earlier because it's darker earlier. So there is much more rest in that winter season. Yeah. And, When I think of that analogy with the trees and what some trees are doing in winter, whether they drop their leaves or not, is that there's still a lot going on. So even if they do drop their leaves, they're replenishing the soil with organic matter. The roots are still, there's a lot going on in the roots as well, but there might not be a lot going on out, outward and what you can see. So I think that's also another thing. It's really important for us to remember is that even when a woman's resting during her period, there is a lot going on physically. Like she is shedding a placenta that is life nourishing. And again, in the postpartum, there is a lot going on. And in menopause as well, that need for rest as that transition happens. So I think, again, it's that cultural shift to recognising the unseen work that often Mm -hmm. happens behind closed doors or in the quieter moments of life yeah. and it doesn't always need to be something overtly productive that we're seeing as well mm. so yeah even though it's rest there's still it's still a lot <laughs> happening yeah. physiologically
0: hugely so
1: yeah so i'd love to hear a little bit more about the actual physical practices that you have mm. um, gone along to inquire as a part of your holistic package
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so Arvigo Abdominal Therapy, Mayan Abdominal Therapy. If you yeah. could share, we've talked about it a little bit here and on some podcasts, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that so listeners can mm. learn more about it.
0: Yeah. Now, it comes from the South American um, tradition in Belize and um, Rosita Arvigo, who the techniques are named after she went to Belize to share her own um, napropathic which is a kind of a combination of chiropractic and osteopathic sort of work um, with the people there and she realized that most of the locals weren't coming to see her they were going to see this shaman who would rub their bellies and he was actually getting really really good results so after a while she um she pestered him lots and lots and he agreed to take her on as an apprentice but what she was able to do is look at these traditional techniques like she would say why are you doing that and they'd go oh it's good for the woman why is it good for the woman because it is Um, but she could actually look at it and go oh okay well maybe that technique is influencing that ligament or maybe it's um working on that fascia or um, she was able to add some of that i guess modern scientific understanding to what some of those practices were doing and she's been able to present those techniques in a way that um we as um, professionals can offer them to women so there is a lot of focus around the abdominal massage um, really looking where the womb is in the pelvic space and recognising that the position of the womb actually matters. Um, If it's leaning too far forward, it might be putting a lot of pressure on the bladder and um, creating some symptoms around leaking or um, urgency in regard to continence. Um, If it's leaning too far backwards, it might be putting pressure on the bowel. Um, We know that as the lining of the uterus builds up, the uterus gets larger and heavier during the cycle. So if you're experiencing constipation leading up to your bleeding time, it could be because the uterus is actually leaning back and impacting on the bowel Um, if the uterus is leaning to the side it could be impacting on nerve flow down the legs um, varicose veins or tingling in the legs cold feet that can just suggest a a lack of flow through the body space in general and it often comes back to that womb um, position so these techniques are really gentle and they're just about working on the fascia and the ligaments and helping the body come back into um, homeostasis or more optimal optimal balance Um, And what I love about the techniques is that while you can see a professional to get some advice and so forth, a large part of that work is actually teaching the woman her own self-care massage that she can do at home. Um, That was very much the way that um, the traditional people used it. When the girls had their first period, they would actually be taken away to an island, um, Cozumel. Some people may have heard of it in Belize. And the whole purpose of that was to teach the women these these massage skills and the other modalities such as vaginal steaming, which I know you um, know a bit about. That um, comes from the Abigo tradition as well, Um, cast oil packs, um, wearing a Faha, which is like a really long scarf wrapped around the belly to support the abdominal organs the girls were taught all this knowledge about their bodies and what what should be normal. Like They knew that periods shouldn't be painful. They knew they shouldn't be getting cramping. They knew they should get bright red blood with their flow and they shouldn't be spotting. Um, And they knew that if they got those signs, it was actually an indication that there was congestion or something going on in that pelvic space and they would notice support from the shaman or maybe another visit to the island or whatever it might have been. So from very early on, they had this knowledge about... What was normal in um, in regard to their cycles, and a lot of women find them really effective for helping them to um, to regulate their cycles and experience um, much more pleasurable um, menstrual cycles, regular cycles. So sometimes it is used in um, for fertility support. I really frame it that our our menstrual health is a vital sign and it shows um, what's going on in the rest of our bodies. So um, if we can support a woman to have the most positive menstrual cycles that she can, um, she probably is going to be more, more fertile. Um, so, yeah, that, that's really the, the Alvigo work about connecting to that womb space and what is going on there and recognising that it's um, not just an organ, it's actually something that impacts the whole, the whole body and, um, and the flow, whether that's of nerve, blood, energy around the body, and we can influence that by tuning into that womb space.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important that you note that it does affect whole health it's not just for people who uh, want to get pregnant or want to recover after being pregnant um, whether you want to get pregnant or not menstrual health is so important and then again into menopause as hormones change yeah, yeah. well i studied with um kelly garza to do vaginal steaming and her original lineage of learning was through rosita Avigo. Like, yeah. and um, then she went on and
0: and um, one to... of one of many traditions that that steaming is part of.
1: Yeah, and that's how she started and then um, tied in lots of other cultural traditions and and knowledge around Mm -hmm. steaming. And I've also heard that, when you talked about the placement of the uterus, it's so important. And these days, so many women get told they might go for a pap smear or for an internal for some reason. And they'll say, oh, your your uterus is tilted backwards a bit. or oh, That's normal. And so it's just framed as normal because so many women have it now. And that's partly because of our modern lifestyle, sitting a lot, but also because we've lost these practices as well of the abdominal massage or the wrapping and and that nurture and rest during times when we're bleeding when our hormones relax everything Mm -hmm. a bit more but also if the uterus is tilted sideways it can be impacting like you said the nerve pathways Mm -hmm. sharp in so many ways but um the ovarian blood flow too so it can actually be sort of squishing an ovary or a fallopian tube a little bit and that can hugely impact fertility so it's so important for women who are experiencing infertility to at least explore that or any sort of menstrual pain
0: um ovulation
1: pain although it's not always these things they're just it could be one
0: aspect to explore um yeah i think I think so many women also have scar tissue in that pelvic space as well and those adhesions can be pulling the organs into less optimal alignment, uh, whether that is a scar from a C-section or a scar from having your appendix removed or maybe you had some laparoscopic surgery Um, And you can't actually see the scar so much. But we know that laparoscopic surgery actually creates just as much scar tissue in the body as the traditional way of cutting you fully open and getting in there. And um, a lot of women have had gynecological sort of surgery, whether it's around cysts or um, cleaning out the uterus or whatever like that. And that can leave a lot of scar tissue and adhesions, congestion, congestion. the the impacts on that overall yes it might be impacting fertility but looking at this much more broadly about their overall um, digestive health um, just their cycles as a vital sign for what's going on in their body and, and links to their emotional well-being too
1: yeah, absolutely, especially if it's causing pain. I've personally experienced adhesions and um, my last birth was a caesarean and they removed a lot of the adhesions. So I probably got scar tissue on, scar tissue on, which has led me on to learn all, more and more in depth everything that I do. So I'm thankful in that way. But at the same time, I, um, I experienced a lot of really serious digestive issues yeah. previous to having those adhesions removed mm-hmm. that i don't experience so much now mm-hmm. so now i'm trying to maintain hopefully <laughs> that they oh, won't yeah. spread too much and so yeah you, you're so right and if the uterus is tilted in any way where there is scar tissue then it's more likely to form where that um compression is and then spread from mm-hmm. there as well because you've got that stagnation of blood flow as well
0: yeah yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, such important knowledge that's out there, um, and then also you've you've studied a holistic pelvic care with Tammy Lee Lynn Kent. Can you tell yes. us a little bit more about your training with her?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Tammy is very much about um, the energetics of that pelvic space and what we hold in that pelvic space, and then how that influences. Our, our creativity and that feminine energy in our bodies, and um, our, our pelvises hold on to so so much, whether it is micro or macro traumas that have that have happened to us, our emotions. Um, Just everyday life isn't all that great for pelvic health in in the Western world. And and we do tend to hold a lot of tension. Like when we're talking about pelvic health, a lot of women think that they need to get their pelvic floor stronger and tighter. Well, most of us actually have to learn to let go (laughs) and, um, yeah, really release that tension. And the holistic pelvic care, um, it can involve intravaginal work. Um, So looking at trigger points and fascia release within the vagina, exploring where... Where there might be tenderness or tightness, um, but also looking and linking that back to things as expectations we have around ourselves, our lineage, um, our roles, our relationships how that might actually be influencing that masculine feminine energy that sits in our body and how that is also influencing the womb. So if we think of the um, the ovaries as the source of that creative energy and then the womb space is where that um, is gestated, so that could be a baby, but um, that womb space is also representative of any sort of creative pursuit that we're wanting to um, apply ourselves to. And when the energy around that is... Is blocked or there's anger, fear, lack of support, all those sorts of things. They sit in the pelvic space, and holistic pelvic care is certainly a way to to look at those energies. Whether um, it can be done externally through clothing, looking at how that energy is sitting in your body, but for some women, they find it really valuable to explore that intravaginal work. Um, I think so often we're really disconnected from that pelvic space, whether that is from those negative experiences um, of menarche or our first period, whether it's um, having our pap smear, like most of us aren't really present and we're feeling the obstetrician insert, the speculum. Usually we're out of our body, wherever you go, da, 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 get, get it over and done with. Um, Even our sexual experiences, a lot of us have real negative sexual experiences or it feels like there's a lot of expectation around that of what we we should be doing in that sort of scenario. We're often not connected to our pelvic space and holistic pelvic care is very much about being aware and present in the body and um, just really feeling into the body and and what it's revealing. And um, it's quite incredible to see once you've done that exploration just how, how more coordinated that, that space is in regard to pelvic floor function, how, how lighter the body can feel when you've really explored in, in a physical and emotional well being sense together what is sitting in the body. Mm. So um, it's been a really beautiful modality to, um, to explore with women. Yeah, I think it's really
1: important that work that Tammy Lynn Kent has brought um, into the understanding of pelvic health and that idea we all it's the common knowledge and common phrase that we get butterflies in our stomach but I think the next time that someone actually gets butterflies in their stomach if they really tuned in they'd realize that the organ of their stomach is a little bit higher (laughs) and it is closer down to their pelvic space we do really feel those emotions physically in our nerves and then therefore into our muscles and our blood flow in that area, we hold that tension there. We get the the tingles and the jitters there. Mm. We feel our nervousness there. And so, mm. by tuning into that, that is just mm. a really easy way that people can start to understand what yeah. we mean when we say that that we hold so many emotions there.
0: And even yeah. like with
1: birth, you mentioned people disassociating in certain. Um, Times And like you said, so many women have had negative sexual experiences to varying degrees and and may um, be holding a lot of trauma there and a lot of disassociation. But also from birth, if birth was really either intense or traumatic, um, you know, it's an intense experience anyway and it's a common coping mechanism and somewhat natural in a way to disassociate to survive. But then we should also... Then be natural to be supported to come back into our bodies. And you know, there's beautiful stories from different cultures, and one is that the woman goes into the heavens to retrieve her baby during labor and comes back down. And that's almost saying like she's really going otherworldly, and you could take that in many ways, but that kind of leaving that physical space, even though it's such a physical experience, but then needing that reintegration to come into the body. Mm-hmm. And so I think when people hear about intra-vaginal work, they can be like, oh, that's a bit full on. But yeah. by being touched in a non-sexual way by someone in a nurturing professional way, that yeah. can really help to start retraining new neuro pathways between how you think and feel, and um, the relationship to your physical body just by being touched and bringing awareness in a way that has never happened before, in a safe way, in a way that can allow those traumatic emotions to come up and then think about where else that energy could go and how healing could take place. It's another reason I love vaginal steaming too, which is like a milder at-home version because not many people, even touching ourselves, if we touch ourselves, it's often sexually. Um yes. And so, when the warm steam hits there, and same if you're getting intravaginal work, it's a non-sexual way of being touched in your pelvic mm-hmm. region, and still it could still be pleasurable and enjoyable and bring in that self-care and nurture. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, for anyone that's going oh, intravaginal, just to explore that idea a little bit more, it's very somatic as well to link that physical touch to the emotional thoughts emotions and thoughts going on
0: yeah no definitely and tammy also talks a lot about that that birth energy and that that going out of out of your body and and sometimes um but there's certain little routines that we can do first of all to create a really safe space for your body connect you into the earth Um, into those energies to support the body through that process but we can go back to that birth energy and reopen that birth energy Um, if it maybe it was from a really positive birth maybe it was from a more traumatic birth Let's really look at that birth energy and send that um, energy through the body and then back up onto our chest like the baby Um, we can use it to connect to our children as well through that birth energy but it's something um, through that womb space that we can can connect to Um, in in a really healing way when that's facilitated for
1: us Mm, absolutely and then that leads on to um, our sexual relationships in right timing after birth whenever that feels comfortable but a lot of women talk about how they just felt like they didn't know their body anymore they may have had Mm. a sexual relationship with themselves and their partner and and um, then all of a sudden after birth it just Mm. felt different and maybe a bit challenging and a little bit disconnected and when you look at all the traditional postpartum practices they're all grounding massage with oil which nurtures the nervous system brings a woman back into the body releases the oxytocin gives a very positive message to the body that it's held it's nurtured the wrapping holding that core support um so all of that sort of like bringing that woman back into the body in a really warm caring way that's now often not done and the one was kind of left going oh still bumbling around a little bit going what happened oh my goodness yeah and um, nice.
0: and i and think often, often it's I think often, with that return to intimacy, there's sort of this notion of well, give it a try and um see how it goes if there's problems, come back to us, but I think there's a whole lot that we can be doing to really ground women in their bodies to reconnect them to pleasure, whether that is through something like vaginal steaming um some of Lynn's work I think is really useful. We'll get to that in a minute um around making sure that. That your body and that birth, that open birthing energy is is brought back down and um, integrated into you, and and really exploring what sexuality means because um, you're not the same person anymore, um, and yeah, it's really exploring again what that sexual relationship is with your partner and what that's going to look like. I think often as well we hear women talking about, oh, I feel touched out and it feels like another job to have sex at night. Um, I think it's really interesting to see how we get to that point where something that should actually be nurturing and giving and tank filling to ourselves has got to the point that it feels like another chore and um, I think we also live in a culture and Kimberly Ann Johnson talks a lot about this where intimacy is also always about penis and vagina and I think sometimes we need to reframe what intimacy can or could look like in that postpartum and sometimes that's a real journey for our partners especially if it's a male partner where that penetration may sort of be the sole existence of of that sexuality but exploring what intimacy is and um, ways to really nurture each other in this new phase as we're adapting into these new roles, what that can actually actually look like and make sure we're bringing pleasure to that.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's <laughs> a really, really important aspect that you bring up about reframing what sexuality and intimacy and pleasure can look like. And mm-hmm. then when that pressure's taken off, it's so much easier to enjoy it, but it's also easier to be open to new ways and allow that to change and grow over time as well. Yeah. So yes, um, Lynn Shulte and the birth healing training—is um, yeah. that what she calls it? I've forgotten. I know it well because I've done her summits. Is it birth healing training?
0: Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, Yeah that was absolutely wonderful. Um, Lynn always starts off by looking at the pelvis and what she's identified is that a lot of women um, after birth can still be in an open pelvic position so we um, know how much that pelvis needs to open and stretch in order to let that baby through and sometimes it's not coming back down and um, who knows why, maybe it's because we've lost some of those traditional practices around closing of the bones and bringing women back into their bodies. But regardless, um, this open birthing pelvis can persist for a very long time. In some women, it can leave us feeling ungrounded, really floaty, um, uncertain in our bodies. Also, if the pelvis is more spread, it can be putting those pelvic floor muscles on stretch. Um, It might be really pulling that anal sphincter um, out of alignment, which might lead to fissures or um, be not supportive of hemorrhoids or things like that. Just physically, if we can bring those um, bones back down to the point where they're meant to be, usually women feel a lot more in their body, like they'll feel like they're actually walking on the ground again and sometimes that in and of itself is enough just to get those natural pelvic floor functions working really well just because the muscles aren't being pulled out into um, a tension that's not meant to be, be through them. So with her work, we always start at the pelvis and there's some really simple strategies that physically and energetically really bring that pelvis um, back together for the woman. Um, Lynn also looks at the organs as well so um, when we're pregnant things like our stomach and our liver can really get jammed up into into the diaphragm we often start um, splaying our ribs out we will lift our chest to try and make space for the baby but sometimes that posture can stay which isn't so great for the diaphragm and that upper spine Um, the intestines can get really squashed Um, The bladder and the urethra, um, it's very common for that to be sort of pressed down to the left-hand side in the woman's body, and it's fairly logical if your urethra is squished and the bladder's kind of over the side. um, Maybe that's why you're getting some leaking or some challenges with your continence. And similarly with the bowel, there's... um, Again, it sounds a little bit confronting, but we look at the anal sphincter and exactly what tension is going on there, especially if you've had a tear in that area, looking at scar tissue around that place can, can be really useful to bring the body back into, into balance. Um, so just some really simple techniques that are so, so effective just for bringing women back into their bodies and making sure that everything is repositioned to, to work at its optimum. And um, Lynn's work is also about preparing women for for a smoother birth as well. So making sure that the uterus um, or those ligaments are moving well and that the pelvis has good movement, um, you know, addressing some of those aches and pains that can come along along with pregnancy. Um, Yeah, really supporting the body in that way as well for a smoother birth as possible and then making sure women are supported to really recover well in that postpartum time period.
1: Yeah, and Lynn's background is as a um, physiotherapist. Is that
0: right? Yeah, she is. Yeah, Yeah. and actually, that's the same for Tammy as well. And I love how both of them, um, in their work in that physical space, have come to the recognition that, yeah, there's muscles and physical stuff that goes on, but there's just something else. Like, they're both very intuitive in the way that they can feel that energy. And, um, and they've really been able to help us understand more about what goes on in that space and how to tap into that to support women um, more holistically around mm. that, that public health and emotional well-being, healing after birth. Mm, yeah, because it's somewhat
1: been for a long time a bit of a taboo subject there's been a lot of women suffering for a long time not saying a lot until it gets really really bad so um the stats here in australia one in three women will experience prolapse to some degree some of those will repair themselves like um what's the word yeah repair themselves over time naturally and others won't and some will get worse and then like you mentioned there's a just a huge array of other things that can be happening. So if anyone mm-hmm. is experiencing continence issues or the hemorrhoids, um, also leaking poo, leaking faeces, that sort of thing, the yeah. fissures, anything in that pelvic space, there's just so much going on, pain, um, yep. bloating, all those sorts of
0: things. And I really... I think- yeah, I think unfortunately like we're starting to get this hashtag common not normal, but yes. I think there's still a lot of women that will go and see a health professional and they'll say, hey, I'm, I'm feeling really heavy in my pelvis, I've got this bit of leaking and they'll go, oh, well, you've had three children, what do you expect? Yes. It's kind of like, oh, I didn't expect that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is still this real almost expectation that that's the sacrifice you pay as as a mother and we really need to change that because there is so much support available so if you're experiencing these symptoms and you're a month three months three years 20 years down the track and you go my body's just not right i really encourage you to keep asking the question saying what's going on here i need to find some support because yes it's very common to experience these things but it's not normal and there is definitely support for being able to get into the everyday things that you're wanting to do, um, that may, maybe your body or your emotional well being is holding you back from.
1: Yeah, that's right. Cause it impacts so many areas. Just being able to go exercise and be active, or sexuality. There could be pain during um, during sex, any mm. sort of intimacy. And Definitely. I really love this holistic sort of picture that you've you've started building on on your occupational therapy with the Avego, the holistic pelvic, mm. and the birth healing. And it's so important, I think, that you mentioned about the pelvis being open. And I, I say this to women a lot. I think it should be um, crucial and just mandatory that every woman has a pelvic assessment after birth, even mm-hmm. if it's a cesarean, because often a woman may have labored or just the process of being in late pregnancy with all of the relaxant hormones and walking around with a baby pushing down can mm-hmm. still really leave things quite open. And yeah, then definitely. the lack of core support you're left with after surgery. So um, whether it was vaginal or not, it's really, really important. And I say that to women first, if they're experiencing anything, hemorrhoids or any feeling of prolapse, is just see where your pelvic position is. Try to find someone who can see if you're still open because going back to any sort of exercise, even if you wait six weeks, three months, if you're still open, then all the pelvic floor um, kegels and and things like that are not going to do anything you're actually going to do more damage because you need to get those that kind of bottom if you imagine the pelvic floor for anyone listening like a triangle and when it's been left open the wide flat end of the triangle is at the base and those muscles are stretched open that needs to be brought back in and then you can work on strengthening them but you can't strengthen something that's been stretched open in a way it's like when the elastic (laughs) has gone on something you've just got to you don't want to replace your pelvic floor but you've got to you've got to get that tightened a little bit um in there before you start working on it so i'm so glad you mentioned that
0: um and i think as well when when you seek support for those sorts of things depending on which practitioner you're seeing it might be that they're coming from that real physical focus going oh okay there there might be weakness or there's tightness or there's this stretched or this damaged or whatever um i I think there's a real broad brush generalization uh, it's very easy to leave those sorts of appointments feeling very broken in Mm. your body going oh my God, that's what's happened. It can, it really impacts your mental health when you receive some of those diagnoses. Even if you know something's going on in your body, you get that information. It can feel really, really heavy. Mm. So make sure that either the practitioner you're seeing, or if um, that's not their area of expertise, making sure that you're seeking out that mental health support as well as the as the physical, because the two are so connected. When we're when we're feeling down about our bodies. Um, I see a lot of women doing doing exercises, even if it's pelvic floor exercises, or these particular things that will heal their pelvis, they can be doing that out of um, hate for their, their body. It's almost like this is the punishment I'm giving my body because it's let me down and um, I don't think it's overly effective when we come from that perspective, oh, my body's broken, what am I going to do? Um, I think we need to be looking at these things more holistically. No, our bodies aren't broken. They're just talking to us. And sometimes they talk to us really, really loudly in ways that feels really, really inconvenient. But it's just our body talking to us. And there are always pathways forward um, to really tap into what your body is needing, what your body's trying to say to you, and, um, and ways to return to vitality and, and the sorts of things that you're wanting wanting to do.
1: Yeah, really important. Well said. That Yeah, okay, it is somewhat of um, a normal thing that may happen. The body may have these physical symptoms mm-hmm. after going through a huge stretch and huge birth mm-hmm. and, and if you didn't get your rest during postpartum, but it's not a life sentence. And mm-hmm. also, yeah, like you say, it would be really great if someone could find a practitioner who could do both or find someone that can acknowledge that. This was huge. Your body did something massive. You grew a child. You birthed a child. And yes. then you're, you're still holding your body. You're still nurturing yourself and your child. And um, But there's ways that we can nurture your body in a way to start healing and getting back to a place where you feel better. And, yeah, so if someone can't find both, then to look for, to look for a practitioner that can provide that emotional support as well, but ideally someone who could do both. Really, really good point. And that comes back to that rite of passage and
0: understanding again. Yeah. The whole context yeah. of, of what's going on in our bodies and all those other things that, that we might be experiencing up um, uh, I think we touched on it before we started recording, but um, if you look at um, Kimberly Ann Johnson and Alan Heed's model of what is involved in, in healing, we've got this very small biomechanical aspect of it where we've got the muscles and the bones and the ligaments and organs and so forth like that. But there's this huge biochemical component in our bodies, so things like the nutrition that's going on, the level of inflammation that we have in our body or the digestive health comes into that, massively influencing this pelvic space and healing and then we've got scar tissue which is a huge thing and um we it can be impacting physically as well as emotionally on the body and that needs to be addressed as part of this and then we've also got trauma so um the rates of birth trauma in australia are um, phenomenal and probably underreported, but there's also those other traumas micro and macro that we bring into this space and all of these things have to be put together if we're going to to find healing that that biomechanical part which we often focus on is such a small um, piece of that big puzzle that we need to Um, sometimes have support to pull it all together and recognise the different parts that are contributing to what our body's currently trying to tell us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be a holistic picture. Well, I love what you are building as a package or have built and offer as a package because it is really holistic and you're understanding I can just tell this, it's just really um, integral and there's a depth of understanding from a personal place, but so much passion there as well and um, and belief. Like if someone, came, if a mother came to you, the way that you will be able to acknowledge that and then also paint a positive picture for healing would just be so powerful. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, if anyone's in Melbourne, <laughs> you're very lucky to have Janelle. <laughs> I'm going to put up links to... Everything that we've discussed, as well as Janelle's yeah. stuff. Yeah. But also, before we go, um, just a quick note on menstrual cycles in motherhood. So, we touched on that cycles of going through the seasons, and then also. Did I see that you're running a little... Are you doing a little webinar or something? I kept meaning to go back and check that out. So you can tell us about that. But I've uh, also The, webinar, found the so webinar
0: was actually yesterday. Oh, no. <laughs> that's all right. terribly... um so it was called mothering on menstrual and it was all about menstrual cycles and how we can actually use those feminine rhythms as a roadmap for supporting our own well-being and as a framework for understanding that mothering journey so i'm not sure when this podcast is going out but if anyone is interested please be in contact i'm more than happy to send that replay through to you and um, again this is something for people in melbourne but i am just about to launch a mini workshop series um which is called the menstrual mother and it's really supporting women to to um to explore and meet that those menstrual and feminine rhythms within themselves and really learn how to lean into them to to support their mothering journey so I'm really excited to be facilitating that later in the year.
1: Oh that's so wonderful. Yeah, cuz I found my relationship with my cycle has really shifted after motherhood Mm. i mean um we talked a little bit before about how the moon cycles still do influence us whether we're um getting our period in the not getting up here in the postpartum or into menopause but then with the Mm -hmm. return of my period being almost like i'm more depleted so i'm working on repletion and i'm tired because i'm not sleeping my toddler still doesn't sleep that well (laughs) sometimes and um And so really allowing myself more rest when I'm bleeding and really needing to listen more than ever because my body is speaking louder than ever. So I think Mm -hmm. that's so powerful for mothers to really give themselves that framework. And especially, Mm -hmm. like you said, um, I I hadn't heard it before. I'm going to have to think about it more, but the feminine does just keep going, going, going and the hard task master, master. And especially when you enter motherhood because you feel like you just have to go all night. All day, all night. This child needs yeah. you to feed them, needs you to be there. And so, by really like tuning into the menstrual cycles even more at that time to allow that time of rest and just plan less around your menstrual cycle is even more powerful and potent as far as healing and gaining that repletion and not getting, not being the burnt out martyr mother. Yes. We don't need to do that. <laughs> we can be amazing mothers without having to be the martyr.
0: Yeah. So, and wonderful there's offering. So much, there's so much more information about the menstrual cycles. I know there was an article going around how the US soccer team um, who – won the World Cup, I think. I, don't, I definitely don't follow soccer. Um, but they were talking about how they have actually started tracking the cycles of all their players and they recognise when they need more sleep, when they should be doing their strength training and um, based on what day they are in their cycle on game day, they know what strengths they're going to bring to the team and how to, um, to work better with each other as a team recognising those individual differences and, and they won the World Cup. And we've got some um business mentors now that are actually mentoring um women business owners around how to actually plan and um implement their business models around their menstrual cycles. And um Janine Yoda is one who's doing that, and she's got data that says their businesses become more successful when they do that and um I think because we live in a world that is so circadian rhythm, masculine rhythm orientated, it's kind of a surprise to us to go that resting. Um, whether we're talking about mothering or whether we're talking about our monthly monthly cycles or any other sort of creative, sport, business, whatever related pursuit, the feminine energy is actually more productive when we rest and um it's kind of a bit of a head spin first of all going well that can't be right how can me lying down and just letting my children play a game of whatever while i actually rest how can that be more productive and it's not getting the washing done um but we've got to look at this in the bigger picture of those larger feminine rhythms that we're really needing to lean into and i think it does relate a lot to mothering depletion and to our own feminine well-being um there really is a roadmap there in our bodies when we when we tune into it and it's a very wise wise roadmap it is
1: yeah absolutely i personally found it so powerful that when i do listen to it and i follow it um to the degree that i know i need to i am far far more productive that month when i've really taken a good solid day or two and that doesn't mean that it just the breast starts and ends it's sort of easing into a bit more slowing down then some solid breast and then mm-hmm. easing back into action and then as I like come into my follicular phase and up into ovulation I am so much more productive and then like you said in the longer term we look at the Indian phrase for postpartum care 42 days for 42 years mm-hmm. this is leading us so that we're not getting different ailments and suffering more with more depletion leading into perimenopause and menopause. Um, And if we're mothers, that's when our children are often coming into teenagehood or into primary school or leaving home Mm -hmm. and, and... in those school years, we need a lot of energy. We might be taking, driving them here, going to shows, going to sports, um, supporting them intellectually with their schoolwork. So it's really important. It's an investment in our future, um, no matter what that is, that where we're, wherever we're putting our energy. Yeah. Thank you so much, Janelle. I feel like all of those topics we could have delved into <laughs> is so much more, but I feel like we covered heaps of great stuff. And yeah. Um, yeah, you've got a r- lot of great wisdom there. I'm really stoked. And um, yeah, so like Janelle said, if you're interested in her menstrual mother uh, webinar, I am. <laughs> so, I've been I've been a little bit AWOL. I've just launched my first textile exhibition. So I've kind of, that's hence um, less podcast and things like that. Yeah. But I'm coming back um, back into it all now. So can tune back into more what's what's going on out there and i will put up the links for janelle's uh website social media links janelle yeah. has some great videos as well
0: yeah. email list i think
1: um anything else you want to say before we go
0: Oh, I think I think that's about it really yeah, if you are interested in that webinar, please shoot me an email. Um, I'm really active on social media, Instagram, and Facebook always putting content up there. so I would love you to connect with me um, see what i'm I'm putting out there. Um, so yeah I, I do actually offer online work if anyone is interested obviously I can't rub your belly or assess your pelvis through online but um, some of those looking at that more holistic perspective or that mental health support um, around these mothering rites of passage I certainly do offer that online if that if that speaks to anyone getting in touch um, I, I do a 20 minute free discovery call with anyone that just wants a little bit more information or would like to be um, directed maybe um, some resources that they can check in for themselves so, so do be in touch
1: Great. Yeah. And I'll put up links, like I said, to all the modalities that we discussed. So if someone's in another area, they can go to those modalities and see what practitioners are in their area. Um, And I'm sure Janelle will have some great um, information and links for that too. If someone wants to get in touch with her. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And yeah, I look forward to connecting more and following all of your um, little videos and things you share on social media. Thanks Janelle.
0: Thank you so much
1: goodbye thanks so much for tuning in and listening today i really hope there was something there for you please feel free to head on over to instagram and facebook pages pollination Mamas and leave your thoughts ideas inspirations feedback i'd also really love for this to partly be a collaborative experience for all of you out there listening and to hear what topics Uh, ideas for guest speakers that you might have and also if you feel to i would really appreciate if you head on over to itunes anchor fm and the other platforms and left a review for the pollination mama's podcast this helps for the podcast to be seen more and to get the word out there these topics that we're all discussing to a larger audience i found podcasts so helpful to feel a bit more connected to ideas that I didn't realize were um, so common amongst us all. So yeah, f- also feel free to share with anyone out there that you feel may gain something from this. I also have a sign up on my website, com where I send out approximately a monthly mail out With latest podcasts, sales on my small batch, largely homegrown herbal products, latest workshops and other thoughts and ideas that I might pop up on the blog occasionally. So thanks again for tuning in and hope to have you listening again soon.